Hello and welcome back to Jermaine Audio Fix. My name is Amber and today I will be reading Chapter 5 of All You Want by Sen Lin Yu. Keep in mind that this fic is rated E for explicit and does contain consensual sex. Chapter 5. It's Only Curiosity. When Hermione woke, Malfoy was gone. She could already sense his absence before she opened her eyes. The scent of him in the room was fading. It was hours old. She knew logically that she shouldn't feel hurt, but she was. Without opening her eyes, she rolled over and scolded herself. Did she expect to wake and find him still next to her? That he'd decide after a few days of shagging her that he didn't care about her blood status and then they'd date because the sex was so amazing? She snorted and opened her eyes. As she sat up and surveyed the room, she began to remember brief flashes of him attempting to get away from her and leave, of him trying to go get someone else instead. As she sat in the middle of the bed, a feeling of cold horror swept over her at her increasingly distinct recollection of him trying to fight through his instincts and stay away from her. She had proceeded to climb on top of him and started giving him a hand job. Hermione dropped back and hid her face in her pillow at the memory. After that, there had been a lot of incoherent sex that she could only partially recall. They'd both been swept up in the alpha-omega dynamic, full of words and promises that stemmed from somewhere instinctive. She felt as though she'd been punched. Malfoy had probably remembered himself again the moment her heat ended, once his head had cleared from all the hormones and instincts she induced in him. The bitter smile that had appeared on his face as the fog finally faded from her mind stood out starkly in her memory. Hermione still couldn't wrap her mind around it all. Hormones or not, she wanted to die of embarrassment. The worst part was that if it were to happen again, she wasn't sure she could have done anything differently. Despite her initial resolve to endure the heat alone, she had quickly discovered that resolving to do so was one thing. Actually trying to endure it was another matter entirely. It had been awful and she categorized it as such with the authority of someone who had been crucioed repeatedly by Bellatrix Lestrange. Her body had felt like it was burning, every inch of her attuned and oversensitive in anticipation of something that wasn't happening and couldn't happen. Everything hurt her skin, her clothes, water, even the sheets. Her state of arousal was unassuageable. Anything she did to try to relieve it just increased the frustrated, all-consuming need. The physical anguish had only been one part of it. It was the mental aspect of it that had nearly broken her. She wasn't supposed to be alone. The isolation provoked an overwhelming sense of wrongness in her at an instinctive level. She shouldn't be alone. She wasn't supposed to be alone. There was something profoundly wrong happening that she had been left by herself to endure it. Someone was supposed to be there. Someone was supposed to be with her, to help her, soothe her but no one was. She had been all alone. No one was there for her. The relentless awareness made her nearly hysterical. She was hurting inside and out, and no one was going to come to make it better. It just got worse and worse, hour after hour. When she had moments of not crying and trying madly to find some way to relieve the all-encompassing misery she was experiencing, she had wanted to call for McGonagall and beg for her to send someone, but there wasn't anyone she could think of. 
She wasn't going to ruin Neville's relationship with Hannah by having a week-long orgy with him. Goldstein, she... she didn't know. The thought of him just felt wrong. She hadn't wanted some stranger coming and touching her and shagging her. The thought had made her shudder. Charlie Weasley was days away at a dragon reserve, not to mention that having sex with Ron's older brother seemed inappropriate. Malfoy had not even entered her mind as an option. Until he was there. Then he was all she wanted. But he had tried to get away, so she had climbed on top of him. Oh God, she groaned and buried her face in a pillow. He did seem to have enjoyed it, in the moments she could remember. Surely he could have left sooner if he'd wanted to. He had seemed like he had wanted to be there, touching her, scenting on her over and over again. He'd barely been able to keep his hands and mouth off her. Maybe it had all been due to instincts and hormones. An alpha thing. He had seemed more lucid than she was in the few moments she could recall clearly. But maybe that was only in contrast to her state of utter incoherence. After all, he did leave as soon as it was over. She glanced around the room, half hoping to see a note or any sign that he hadn't just fled the instant he could think straight. Nothing. She dropped her head into her hands and sat for several minutes. She was so tired. She just wanted to collapse back into bed and sleep for another day. She never wanted to show her face again. The entire situation was just too humiliating and inappropriate to endure. However, she felt desperate to get out of the room. It was thick with the smell of sex and Malfoy's scent. It made her feel like she was pining for him. Being all alone in the aftermath of a heat felt horribly vulnerable, as if there was a part of her shriveling inside. She rubbed her wrists subconsciously, trying to comfort herself. Then she squared her shoulders and got up to go to the bathroom and take a shower. A hot shower. The closest thing to relief she had found before Malfoy's appearance was sitting under numbingly cold water. It dulled the heat and made her so uncomfortable in a different way that she was less attuned to how aroused and desperately wanting she was. Then she just had to handle the psychological aspect. She stepped under scalding water and rubbed herself from the top of her head down to her toes until her skin was rosy, trying to get Malfoy's scent out of her skin. When she stepped out and started toweling off, it was still there, as though he'd imprinted himself into her. She stepped back under the water and tried four more times, covering herself with soap. It lessened the smell somewhat, but it was still inescapable, and her skin felt nearly raw. By whatever means it had ended up there, it wasn't removable with soap. She tried casting freshening charms and scourgifying charms on herself. It wouldn't budge. She finally gave up and dressed. Then she walked back into the bedroom. The room smelled thick with Malfoy, like a slap to the face. She cast several cleaning charms over the room and bed. The quantity of staining on the sheets was mortifying. Then she hurried out. Malfoy had apparently taken down almost all the wards McGonagall had set up and damaged the wall significantly in his haste to get away. She averted her eyes and tried not to think about it as she made her way directly to the headmistress's office. Miss Granger, McGonagall greeted her, eyeing Hermione carefully. You're seeming more yourself. Hermione flushed. She could only vaguely recall being extremely aroused and emotional when she was placed in the room while McGonagall was warding the door. It was not, generally speaking, her finest moment. 
In fact, it had been rather one of the most mortifying things that had ever happened to her. Yes, it's over now, Hermione said, staring down at her hands. There was a long pause. Mr. Malfoy, McGonagall began in a tentative voice, disappeared for several days. I discovered the wards on your room were replaced. Since I didn't send him, I'm assuming he entered by himself. Hermione looked up wide-eyed and found McGonagall's face impassive. Hermione nodded cautiously, and the headmistress's expression tightened. Given your history together, I cannot imagine you solicited his company. While the law may be inclined to overlook anything an Alpha does around an Omega in heat, I am not. If it was not consensual, that is more than sufficient grounds for his expulsion. Hermione started. Attending Hogwarts was one of the conditions of Malfoy's probation. Expulsion would mean he'd violated them. He could be sent to Azkaban for it. No, Hermione said, straightening. It was consensual, I think. Her eyes dropped to the floor and she could feel her cheeks burning. I hope you aren't feeling obliged to protect him for some reason, Minerva said, her eyebrows furrowed and her expression concerned. No, it's not anything like that, Hermione faltered. He... He offered to go get someone else. I wanted him to stay. In fact, her voice caught and she cleared her throat weakly. I rather jumped him. I'm not sure. I know that legally speaking, alphas aren't regarded as responsible for their actions, but I'm not sure how it works with omegas. I might have... She stuttered slightly and nearly fell from her chair as a horrifying thought struck her. I think... I forced him? Oh, God! Minerva's eyebrows raised themselves slightly. I find that rather hard to believe, she said. No, I think I did, Hermione said tremulously. It's... I can't remember everything clearly. I wasn't entirely lucid, but I think he was trying to leave. Then I climbed on top of him and forced him to give in and stay. She kept shrinking further into her seat, growing increasingly horrified. I should go apologize. No, he probably won't want anything to do with me. Oh my God, I sexually assaulted Malfoy. Hermione covered her face with her hands and wished someone would stun her and put her out of the misery for a while. Perhaps it would be advisable if I met with him and asked for his version of events, said Minerva after a moment. However, Miss Granger, before you flagellate yourself entirely over your self-confessed sexual assault... Please recall that I personally devised an extremely intricate set of protective wards around your room, and Mr. Malfoy blew up a wall to get through them. If he hadn't wanted to stay with you, the obvious means of avoiding it would have been not destroying school property and then rewarding the room once he was inside. Hermione felt a flood of relief at the revelation that Malfoy had blown up the wall to get in rather than out, as she had initially assumed. You'll let me know she asked cautiously. If I did, I don't know. Hermione buried her face in her hands again. I don't know what I can do to make it up to him if he feels like I assaulted him. I'll keep you informed, Minerva said, her voice indulgent sounding. However, given that your heat has passed, there are some things that are necessary for us to discuss. Hermione nodded and straightened attentively, trying to shove thoughts of Malfoy to the back of her mind. You aren't going to be able to conceal your designation, McGonagall said, eyeing her. Betas won't be able to detect it. 
but I'm afraid that even with a suppressant potion, any alpha who comes within a few feet of you will realize it. Hermione nodded. I thought that might be the case, based on my reading. We can try to keep the news contained within the school, but it's unavoidable that you'll begin receiving attention from the alphas here at Hogwarts. I suspect that it will be noticeable enough that the news may reach the public eventually. But, Hermione said slowly, furrowing her brow, my heat is over now. Why would they be interested? Because they'll want to marry you, Miss Granger, Minerva said as if it were obvious. Hermione stared. Why? In order to have more children? She asked, feeling skeptical about just how concerned the average wizard generally was about the quantity of his progeniture. Then a horrifying thought came to her. Will they want me because I'll be servile? Minerva's expression grew visibly uncomfortable. That could be the motivation for some. However, there is more to Omegas than merely submission and procreation. Did you finish the book I left with you? Hermione shook her head, flushing. No. Sorry. It became difficult to focus. Minerva's face softened. Of course. This has all been quite sudden. That's why I wish to do everything in my power to protect you while you come to terms with what has occurred. I hope to provide you with as many options as I can. Thank you. Now, as I mentioned, you're quite likely to receive a great deal of attention. I assume you won't want to withdraw from school if it's possible to avoid that. Hermione nodded. The girls' tower of Gryffindor should be safe for you. However, in common areas and hallways, anyone can approach you. I am concerned that some eager alphas might take advantage of your omega traits in order to get your attention. Hermione felt cold. The suppressant potions help, though, don't they? I believe that they do. I have had Horace brew a batch. You'll need to take a vial daily. However, it will not suppress the traits entirely. I have discussed it with Miss Weasley. We could assign Beta Prefects to accompany you between classes if you would like. Hermione stared. Surely that's a bit excessive, isn't it? I have to admit I don't know. Insofar as I'm aware, a presented Omega has never attended Hogwarts. Alphas happen occasionally. Having an eighth-year class, I had anticipated having a dozen or so. But you are the first presented Omega to attend Hogwarts, and you're unbound. I don't know what to expect. I don't want to be careless with you. Omegas are that rare? McGonagall gave a short nod. You're the only unmarried one to present in as long as I can recall. Beyond that, you're the first Omega I've known of since Molly Weasley. Hermione choked. I didn't realize they were that unusual. Before Molly, the only other Omegas I knew were Druella Rosier and a friend of my mother's, Cassandra Ollivander. There's a reason why most people simply choose to ignore the hierarchy's existence. It's rare that the matter comes up. There are possibly fewer than 200 Omegas in all of Europe. Any unmarried Alpha who hears about you may try to court you. You may end up inundated with offers. They won't know a thing about me, but they'll want to marry me just because I'm an Omega? I feel like a collectible, Hermione said in an acerbic tone, her lip curling. Molly's decision to have seven children in order to avoid alphas makes more and more sense. Molly chose Arthur because she was in love with Arthur, Minerva said tartly. 
She was betrothed to an alpha, but fell in love with Arthur when they were head students together here at Hogwarts. I wouldn't advise making her choice unless the beta you have in mind is someone you cannot live without. Hermione dropped her eyes and slumped. Why? I don't understand how this all works. I feel like I've been turned into some servile degenerate who risks losing her mind when an alpha so much as breathes on me. But now you're saying that I should try to be in that kind of relationship? Minerva sighed. Omegas are made for alphas. Alphas are made for omegas. Despite the dynamic of dominance and submission between them, the relationship is symbiotic. An alpha might have influence over you, but they also have an instinctive desire to go to the ends of the earth to protect or please you. Hermione's mouth twitched and she refrained from pointing out that she would much prefer having the autonomy to protect and please herself. She swallowed the words. The fact that McGonagall had the unfortunate task of explaining everything to Hermione did not make it the headmistress's fault. Hermione would not shoot the messenger when it was apparently the universe in general that was to blame for Hermione's designation. The equation doesn't leave you powerless, McGonagall said firmly. Without the other party, there will always be a sense that something is missing. Most alphas are resigned to that fate by the time they present. That's why they will be anxious to try and appeal to you. You are an opportunity that most of them never expected to have. You'll be going into heat again in three months. You should use the time until then to get to know some of the alphas in your circles. Hermione felt something in her stomach drop sharply at the thought of experiencing another heat. The experience with Malfoy felt like a raw nerve, intimate and vulnerable. She had felt happy during it, as if being an Omega was all right after all. Waking on the other side to find it had all been a hormone-induced illusion hurt something inside of her that she couldn't identify. She wasn't the type for casual sex. Her week-long fling with Malfoy had only further convinced her of that. She didn't ever, ever want to go through the experience of being left behind and discarded the instant she no longer had the hormonal cocktail necessary to seem desirable. However, at the same time, she didn't want to marry someone, especially not soul-bond with them, just in order to have a companion during her heats. That didn't sound any better. She had no interest in a union solely based on hierarchical connection. Perhaps she was just young, but she'd hoped that if she ever got married, it would be a union born of something unique and meaningful, with someone she could share her mind with, not just someone who happened to be capable of meeting her biological needs. She felt as though she were trapped in a three-month countdown towards hell. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, she said slowly, but could I just get pregnant? The way Molly did? That would stop the heats and the symptoms for a while, wouldn't it? McGonagall stared expressionless at Hermione for a minute. Now that you have presented, I don't think it is possible for you to get pregnant with a beta male, the headmistress finally said. Your fertility is tied to your heats. You could get pregnant during the next one, but I doubt most alphas would consent if you weren't going to marry them. They're quite possessive, especially when omegas are pregnant. It makes their instincts stronger. Oh, Hermione said in a resigned voice. She hadn't particularly wanted to consider pregnancy or motherhood, but hearing that it wasn't even an option felt unfair nonetheless. It felt as though any option she had, she didn't want to think about. She buried her face in her hands and tried to devise another solution. I realize this is very abrupt and difficult for you, McGonagall said gently. 
I think you should give yourself time to adapt before making a life-changing decision such as motherhood. There are very good alphas in the world who will give you all the time you need to come to trust them. Whether a dominant personality is good or bad rests entirely upon the character of the individual. It's not like I have any other choice, Hermione said bitterly. I will do everything in my power to keep you safe and help you decide what it is that you want to do, Minerva said. In addition to being one of my most exceptional students, I have come to regard you as my friend, Miss Granger. Whatever you decide, you will have my full support along with the rest of the Hogwarts staff. Hermione smiled and felt vaguely comforted. Perhaps we could see how the suppressants work, she said, trying to feel hopeful, before we add a new rotation to the prefect schedules. Very well. The portraits have all been instructed to keep a close eye on you. I've taken the liberty of informing the professors and beta prefects that were members of the DA so that they will be aware and know what to look out for. All right, Hermione said quietly. She felt her cheeks flush and the tips of her ears grow warm at the realization that many of her friends would know why she disappeared for a week. During the last week, I ordered a few books for you. Minerva said, sliding a small stack across her desk to Hermione. Hogwarts' selection on the subject was limited. Thank you. I'll escort you to the hospital wing to pick up your suppressants. Then I'll have a word with Mr. Malfoy on your behalf. Speaking of alphas, if you are willing, I believe Mr. Longbottom wishes to apologize to you. He is horrified by his behavior and tried to turn in his head boy badge. It wasn't Neville's fault, Hermione said immediately. I'm happy to see him, but, she hesitated, maybe supervised, to see how the suppressants work. Good idea. Perhaps you should wait here, and I'll send for him and bring the suppressants. It may be inadvisable to have you walking the halls. Hermione nodded and Minerva left. Hermione pulled the stack of books off the desk and looked at the titles. A book on alphas, another book on heats and omega pregnancies, and a book called Soulbound. Hermione slipped it from the stack and began reading it resignedly. The book was disheartening and unhelpful. An Omega running about unbonded was practically unheard of. The author assumed if an Omega wasn't bonded, she was about to be and simply facing an unavoidable separation of some sort. There was nothing about how a witch was expected to navigate in the world without an alpha quote-unquote responsible for her. Suppressants were for during separation or for widowed Omegas. There was no mention of taking them while trying to choose an Alpha to marry. Marry? Hermione felt tempted to cry at the thought. In fact, there were not many things in her life that she didn't feel like crying about. Mostly, she wanted to cry about Malfoy. The fact that his absence was still the thing affecting her most only added to her general state of misery. She didn't like Malfoy. She had reminded herself of that fact quite firmly and repeatedly. He was a historic arse, school bully, brainwashed pure-blood elitist. Even if the other two points were irrelevant or no longer the case, the final one was a sticking point. She had no reason to believe that particular belief of his had truly changed. It was true that during his trial he had given a very eloquent speech about realizing the error in his thinking in regard to blood purity, but it had been a speech— a public speech before the wizengamot that was printed in the newspaper the following morning. Following his release, he'd been stiff but cordial with her at public events. 
Once the school year had begun, she'd been obliged to avoid him, so she didn't really know what he'd been doing with himself aside from keeping out of trouble. Insofar as she knew, there wasn't anything in his private life to indicate a true revelation about blood purity, nothing to indicate that he really believed anything different post-war. He'd surely keep his mouth shut and his nose clean, but in the end, he'd marry a girl who just happened to have pristine bloodlines. Hermione hadn't cared. Being a bigot didn't mean someone deserved to rot in Azkaban for ten years. The Malfoys had, for all their shortcomings, been what tipped the war in Harry's favor. Narcissa had acted out of concern for her son, but Malfoy, whenever it had come down to the line, had acted against his own self-interests. He'd protected Harry, and he hadn't killed Dumbledore when he easily could have. That was enough for Hermione. She'd downed a drought of peace and testified for both Narcissa and Draco. She hadn't expected to really interact with him after the trial. She certainly hadn't expected to notice him during eighth year. And she had never imagined that she'd spend a week shagging him and then find herself... find herself... She wasn't sure what she was doing. Obsessing about him, she concluded in resignation. It wasn't a crush. He'd just surprised her. He'd shown up when she was vulnerable, and he'd been... A perfect alpha, her brain supplied unhelpfully. It was nothing. It wasn't even the real Malfoy. He'd just been in some sort of alpha state. As McGonagall had said, alphas had an instinctive drive to please her. He'd shown up because he felt like he owed her, and then stayed because she'd jumped him. It wasn't anything he'd meant. The fact that she felt attached to him was probably just an Omega thing. It was all just instinct and hormones. None of it was real. End of chapter 5